You're tuning in to the Welcome to Motherhood podcast, the series that helps to make motherhood easier, one podcast at a time. I'm your host, Natasha Suttle, mum of four, midwife, educator, terrible housewife, and huge advocate for ditching the mum guilt. Find advice for all your motherhood questions from birth onwards. So here we go, let's get into it. So today I have the pleasure of interviewing the fabulous Jacqueline Kinser from Holistic Lactation. Jacqueline is a senior lactation consultant, a mum of two, which is actually what started her on this journey to becoming a lactation consultant. She works with families around the world. She has had been a midwifery school instructor, mentoring buddy lactation consultants, and lecturing to doctors around the world about breastfeeding. So we're in good hands. Her passion really is to help families create a positive and maintainable breastfeeding journey so that they can breastfeed without worry or struggle. Man, this is going to be amazing. Firstly, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share some things with your audience. Oh, awesome. No, let's get into it. Firstly, I really want to know the first question from a lactation consultant's perspective. For me as a midwife working with women, I've pretty much got the same things popping up often with feeding. And I want to know if you get the same. So I want to know what is the most common breastfeeding issue that new mums face that you're working with? That's a really good question. Probably the most common issue is having trouble just getting a good latch. Mm-hmm. You know, and from there there can be a lot of other things that happen. But most moms, even if they take a breastfeeding class while they're pregnant, they read books, they go on YouTube, they still don't really have a concept of what a good latch is or what it should feel like they just tend to struggle with even how to get one. There's a lot of different methodologies that can be taught. And at the end of the day, I feel like most of them are just left really, really confused. It's not that it's that they're doing anything wrong. It's just that they've never really been shown how to do it correctly. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. I know for me as a midwife, often after delivery and we're trying to encourage that first feed and you'll often have a mum look at you and go, I thought it would be easier or I thought I would just latch the baby or I had seven people telling me seven different ways to latch the baby. And it's just like you say, that confusion about what's going to work best for them. So I totally agree. (laughs) I do get the same questions. Now, what are the main bits of advice like for you, what yet you give to new mums when it comes to feeding in those really early weeks? Like what are your key bits of advice you always hand out? That's a great question. A few things. One is that I always say, if you're at all like not able to fix something on your own based on the knowledge or resources that you currently have available, but you still know in your mom intuition, your mom got that something's wrong, reach out and get help. And the sooner the better. Because the last place I like a mom to be is like, she's ready to give up every, you know, she just calls me in tears. Like, I'm ready to give up breastfeeding unless you can see me in the next two hours. Like, that's not a healthy place to be in. So definitely reach out for help as soon, you know, or preemptively, really, you know, if you're, if you're thinking you might have some issues. The other thing is when it comes to breastfeeding is breastfeed your baby early and often. So, you know, as soon as possible after the birth. I mean, you know, give it a moment. It doesn't need to be within the first two minutes, but (laughs) within the first couple of hours. And then just some moms just seem to have um, a lot of different information thrown at them that doesn't necessarily apply to those early weeks. So you're not going to sleep train your baby in the first few weeks. You're not going to put them on a feeding schedule in the first few weeks. 
literally anytime your baby looks at you, opens their eyes, like those are feeding cues and you just need to put them to the breast. That's pretty much it. Put them to the breast, change their diaper and you're good to go for the most part. It's pretty much your whole job in those first few weeks, isn't it? I think people like exactly like you said, they invest like mentally in all these things they're supposed to be doing with sleeping and feeding routines and milestones and feeding, um, working out how to feed as such and long-term feeding when really the first few weeks is just the baby sleeps, it eats, it poos. That is literally all you can control is those three things will happen. Oh yeah, that's so true. And really too, it's a time for the mom to rest and recover. So yes, your baby feeds are on the clock and you can't do anything. That's a really good thing. You're not supposed to be up and about and doing all these things, uh, laundry, cooking, whatever. That's for someone else to do. So I think if we can just give moms permission to sit there and relax with their babies, that's really helpful. I wish I could still use that excuse to my youngest is too, but you know, <laughs> I need to sit and relax. It's my mum time to sit and relax. I totally agree. On, I totally agree on so much of what you said. And I see it the same in my career as well. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad I got you on here. I guess for me as a new mum, I, for the first time when I had my first child, who's now like turning 15 this year, which is crazy. But as a new mum for me, I don't think I knew anything about feeding, to be honest. I literally figured I wasn't a midwife at that stage. I will make this disclaimer as I sound terribly uneducated. Um, I just figured out the baby would see a breast, they would suck and they would be fed. Like I had no idea about proper latching, positioning, what was a good feed versus, you know, a not very productive feed, just all the other things that you kind of need to have some awareness and know before you have a baby. So what are your thoughts with regards to, for mums listening in pregnancy, what are the things that, the key things that you wish new mums knew about breastfeeding before they actually gave birth? Mm, That's a really good question. And you actually echoed what one of my new clients told me today when I was with her. And she said, I just thought it would just work. Like it's a brand new iPhone. Like you just yeah. turn it on, it just works. Well, right? you're a woman, so, you have breasts, you have a baby, it feeds, like job done. What's the issue? What if you don't exactly. So here's where there's like a little bit of a dilemma for me, you know, because I teach classes to pregnant women and things. And so I never want to scare anyone or make it sound like yeah. breastfeeding is going to be this horrible thing. But I do think that we need to be really honest with new mothers and, and mothers to be that. You know, most of the time, breastfeeding is really difficult. And while it might be instinctual for your baby because they're literally born with primitive reflexes that are designed to help them come to the breast and feed, we as mothers are not surrounded by this tribe or village of women that are just breastfeeding out in the open anywhere. It's literally a learned behavior for us. Yeah. And watching videos and stuff really just doesn't cut it. So I think what moms need to know is that, yes, most moms struggle. And the other thing is that, you know, you, I guess you as a midwife can comment on this as well, but so much that I see with birth these days is medicalized and sometimes it's unnecessary and other times it is, it is necessary. But when you have these interventions introduced in the birth process or pregnancy, something goes not according to plan that actually can do quite a bit to interfere with breastfeeding and to have moms be prepared for that. So yeah, that baby might need supplementation in the early days. It doesn't mean we can't breastfeed or it might mean something else. And the other thing that I see more often than not are babies born with tongue and lip ties. And a lot of parents aren't prepared for that knowledge bomb to be dropped on them and to be told, 
hey, your baby is born with an anatomical defect that's going to prevent it from breastfeeding well, but it is fixable and here's what we can do. So I think those are the things that I'd really love for most moms to know. These are all potential things that can impact breastfeeding. Now, it doesn't mean that because of those things you can't breastfeed, but it means that you're going to need some help to make it work. Absolutely. And that's exactly the point. I think you hit the nail on the head there with the fact that it doesn't mean you can't. So when people hear these things, they often panic and think, oh my gosh, it's over. The journey's over. It's not even going to happen. Something's wrong with my baby. When really you can break it down to there is something that's causing an issue. We can work with it. We can fix it and you can carry on. So it's actually not the big mountain it needs to be because you can still push through and have a successful breastfeeding journey if you work with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for moms, the best thing they could do during pregnancy is to build up their postpartum support network or have the list of resources that they might need available to them so that they're not having to scramble when they're sleep deprived, in pain and all all the things, right? And it's so much harder when you're hormonal sleep deprived and stressing about something being an issue. It's way too difficult to make any kind of rational decision. So exactly like you said, having the idea already of who could help you if something went wrong, like almost like a disaster plan you have for your home and your fire escape and all those things. You kind of need one group <laughs> of, once you have a child. If anything was to, you need an invention of any sort, these are the kind of places you could look. You hope to never go there, but if you do, you've already put some research into it. Oh, this is gold. I'm bouncing around all the things I want to ask you because I'm getting so entwined in the conversation. I know so many listeners will be taking notes of what we're talking about. One thing that I sure as heck wish I knew about before having children, and I do make an, a big habit to educate mums in hospital before they leave, is educating mums on hunger signs and feeding cues. It is not something I don't think that we, it either doesn't get covered enough in pregnancy, or if you get told it when you're pregnant, you probably forget about it because you're more focused on labor and contractions and all that kind of stuff. So you kind of probably put it to the back of your mind or don't actually take it on at all. What are the hunger cues that you teach women to really look out for? Like the obvious ones that they, in sleep deprived hormonal state, that they're going to be able to remember to spot and keep on top of. Yeah, this is a great question. And I agree with you. It is not taught enough. And I've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but in the early days, I mean, you know, one month and and under, certainly pretty much anything your baby does is a hunger cue. (laughs) And the baby's awake, it's a feeding cue. (laughs) Yes, that's pretty much the golden rule. And here's why, because, you know, their job is to eat and sleep and, and the younger they are, the faster the rate at which they're growing. So they're expending so much energy and calories. Yeah, they're going to sleep a lot. And when they're awake, they're going to really leverage that awake time to get more calories in. And so, yeah, I tell parents, are they opening their eyes? Are they looking at you? That is an early feeding cue, believe it or not. And some parents will say, well, already they're going to really feed again. Well, yes, believe it or not, they feed pretty much around the clock. And, you know, for a couple of reasons, one is obviously for, you know, nutrition and growth. The other is for comfort and connection with the mom. The other one is to tell the mom's body what to do, to contract the uterus, to make it smaller again, to make milk, to get the correct receptor sites for the hormones for the milk production set up, to communicate any antibodies or nutrients the baby needs in the breast milk. So there's just all this back and forth happening. And to expect, you know, your baby to just, you know, have this sort of schedule is is kind of silly, but I get it. That's what we're told, right? And so again, that applies to older babies, not newborns, but the hunger cues besides them looking at you, very early ones still are things like opening and closing the mouth or sticking their tongues out, little lip smacking. 
then a little bit later feeding cues would be bringing the hands to the mouth, you know, vigorously moving the head from side to side. And even just squirminess or fidgetiness, I mean, that could definitely be a dirty diaper, but if that's clean, then we know it's probably a hunger cue. Yeah. And then the late hunger cues are crying. So you really, really want to get to them before they're grunting or crying or getting really fussy because it can be then very hard to try and feed your baby and get them to cooperate with you. And that's when a lot of moms will tell me, oh, you know, the hands are always getting in the way. I have a hard time latching. Well, yeah, because at that point now they're very stressed and tense. And so it can be hard to get that whole process to happen. And it just takes longer. I actually said to a a lady I looked after recently, I said, babies get hangry too. We talk about us as adults getting angry when we're hungry and getting hangry. I was like, babies do too. And when they're hangry, it's much harder to get them to actually stop, calm down and actually feed properly. Yeah. And I think if we kind of just put our babies into this sort of a mindset, like as if we were still, you know, cave people and your baby has no idea that when you're not in sight, that you still exist. Yeah. Like at that early age, if they're not getting milk now, they think they're going to die. Like this is life or death. So if we wait to the point that they're crying, they're actually really, really stressed and that's not a good thing. So if your baby starts to you know, you have the baby monitor set up, you see them starting to move and rouse and rustle. You want to get to them really quickly. Try not to wait till they're crying every time. It's funny. I talked about in one of my um, other episodes recently too, about a similar conversation, but with tired signs and same thing. It's like when they're crying, it's you've missed the signs. And it's the same with feeding. Like mm-hmm. when it gets to the point where they're crying and they're really upset, they're either really tired or really hungry. So either one, it's good to intervene before they get angry and the crying starts. Um, yes. I personally feel, and you'll probably agree, that the whole landscape of being a new mum has changed. We have so much less of a village nowadays. Mums are Googling more and trusting you know, random things they find on the internet. Less information is really passed on from older generations and family members and even big groups of friends because often people live away and they just don't have that same village and vibe around them. In light of this, I think it, that also affects the knowledge and I you alluded to it earlier with regards to breastfeeding and what people are seeing and having that kind of vibe around you with breastfeeding women around you and in your sight. How prepared do you think new mums are like in this day and age for breastfeeding in general from exposure? Mm, that's a really good question. I really feel like in many ways, moms are very underprepared. I think most moms, why no? I mean, statistically speaking, you know, most moms plan to breastfeed and they start out breastfeeding. But as far as the preparation goes, you know, many moms and and dads as well will take these childbirth preparation classes or dads will take the daddy boot camp or whatever it is about how to change diapers and, (laughs) and various things. So they're prepared for the baby and they're maybe prepared for the birth, but somehow breastfeeding got left out of it. And I've attended several um, breastfeeding classes for pregnant women. I've taught them. And the, most of the time when I attend them, it talks about the benefits of breastfeeding and human milk and how long you should breastfeed and, and some basics. But I've got to tell you, that kind of stuff really doesn't prepare moms for breastfeeding. To know the benefits of human milk might help someone decide whether or not yeah. to breastfeed. Um, it might help them keep their commitment to keep going. 
But in terms of like the actual practical stuff that you need to know. And then the other thing is that, like you said, there's the internet. So, you know, moms can turn to Facebook mom groups or Instagram accounts or YouTube or mom blogs or Kelly mom or all these resources. But the issue that I find with those is that a lot of moms seem to be very convinced, like they've convinced themselves that that is all the breastfeeding knowledge that exists. So why would I ever go hire a lactation consultant or a breastfeeding specialist? Yeah. What else would they know besides what's on the internet? Yeah, Google knows. Google can tell me everything I need to know. Right. And I'm like, you know, every appointment that I've ever had with someone, and for me, I'm like, it's old hat, right? You know, it's the stuff I've been doing for years now. But they'll, at the end of the appointment, go, oh my gosh, I just learned so much. I have watched every YouTube video on latching and I have did it. And I hear that all the time. And I'm not saying that because I'm trying to toot my own horn, but it's like, no, really, there's a reason why I'm board certified. I have clinical hours. Like there are people out there in the world like me. This is an international certification. So yeah. even I'm in the US and and you're elsewhere, you know, we're all around. And so what moms don't get is the importance of like, if you're having a breastfeeding problem, it is actually a health problem. Yeah. And there are yeah, clinicians out there, right? Midwives, lactation consultants, all these other people that really are here to help you. And you can't replace hands-on care with Google. No. And so that's what I'd love for moms to know. And also, I'm not saying I am the gatekeeper. You may have a friend who could come over and help you latch or position the baby because she's experienced and has done it. And that's what we're really missing. Like you said, that connection yeah. piece, sort of this, you know, our professions have arisen because we don't have that same community and connection, right? There would have been a community midwife yeah. back in the day, but now there's midwives for hire. And not that that's bad. It just is what it is. And I think women need to know that we're here for them. And I think too, like it's with regards to, like you said, even having someone physically come over and help you, you can't learn to latch. If you can get a good idea about what a latch is and the general gist of a latch from watching a YouTube video, but if you're having problems with breastfeeding and latching in particular, what someone hands-on helping you can do is a million times more helpful than watching a video and getting probably frustrated because yours isn't working the same or the baby's not staying on or, you know, that's not going to help you. Breastfeeding is a hands-on thing. You can't get advice when you have a problem without having that hands-on sometimes when it gets to that point. Right. You know, and another thing that that made me think of too was like I actually had a video appointment with a client and I do those too. And those are great for questions about like food intolerances or is yep. this medication okay to take or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things we can, oh, absolutely. we can troubleshoot, but you know, I can't assess the baby's suck or, yeah. you know, weigh them before and after a feeding or other things. And this mom was like, you know, I told her she needs to see someone in person. She was like, yeah, I'm kind of a homebody. You know, is it okay if I do another appointment with you? And I was like, well, yeah, that's great. I can help you. But I'm still trying to impress upon you the fact that I can't reach my hands through the monitor. Yes. Yeah. I can so, tell you and I can try and describe it to you, but I can't actually help you hands on. Right, right. And yeah, like you said, you know, and here's the thing too, is like, okay, you know, I give moms a lot of credit. They're smart, they're capable more so than ever before. Yeah. So I do believe most moms will figure some things out. But the thing is, is what would take you three weeks to figure out on your own through trial and error and maybe damaged nipples or yeah, wondering if your baby's getting enough and whatever, I could probably look at that in 15 minutes and know exactly what's going on, give you an actionable plan to do it without struggle, without confusion, complete clarity, confidence for you, peace of mind. 
And what is that worth to you? Is it really worth trying to struggle and figure it out yourself for the next few weeks and maybe even not figure it out? Or would you rather just hire the right help, have someone come in for an hour or two and like, just know that you're on your way? Like I said before, when you're sleep deprived, you're hormonal and you've got any issues with feeding, it's a huge deal. It stops you in your tracks. You know, it consumes you. Having the knowledge first, see if you can help your, yourself out of it. But when it becomes a problem and you do need help, just being able to put your hand up and say, yeah, this is the point where I need someone to actually come and help me further. And whether it's if you, you know, you've got a midwife coming to see you, being honest and saying, this is what happens. I'm not just going to smile and nod and pretend feeding's fine because I don't want to look like I'm not, I'm not doing it or I'm a failure. Actually saying, yeah, hand up. I need some help. So letting people actually help you, professionals. And also, I mean, like you say, it could be an experienced auntie or a friend or if someone can help you, but being able to put your hand up and actually take that help. Yes. There's no pride in trying to do it yourself and say that everything's fine. And I definitely did that with my first uh, baby, although there wasn't the help I needed at the time, which is kind of how I got into this profession. But absolutely just saying, yeah, I need some help. I've done what I can and I need another partner in this. That's definitely one of the best things you can do for yourself and for your baby. Oh my gosh. Okay. I can keep talking to you all day and I feel like I'm going to keep thinking of all these other questions. So I need to stop myself. (laughs) This won't be the last time I get you on here though, to chat about all things lactation. And I'm very, very sure about that. In order to keep this whole quick fire aim of the interviews, I am going to have to wrap up all the millions of things I want to ask you. But firstly, I want to hear from you, your top three tips for navigating the motherhood journey. Ooh, really, really good one. My number one tip is that you as the mother truly know your baby best. And so if the pediatrician or the lactation consultant or the midwife or the well-meaning friend or the in-law or whoever tells you something about your baby that you're just like, I don't know about that. I would listen to that because this baby was living inside your body you birthed it. You're taking care of it. You're the closest person to this baby. So just trust that you know your baby best. The second one would be that really this is a time for you where culturally there's a little more allowance for sure, but this is a time for you to really build up support for yourself because to expect to just master motherhood all on your own, that can be a very rough and isolating journey. So there's support everywhere, whether or not you recognize it. And if there isn't, you can go out there and find it. Um, There's always some community out there waiting with outstretched arms for you. Yeah. And the third thing is, seems obvious, but I still see mothers struggling with this. And that's just to take care of yourself. And we've all heard that phrase, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. And everybody goes, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, but really, I mean, really, really, if you are not giving yourself grace, people kind of get self-care and self-love confused. So they'll think, oh yeah, I'll I'll do a nice face mask or I'll take a long bath or I'll have a glass of wine tonight. And they think, oh, self-care. No, you know, uh, those little things, those little things are great. Okay. I'm not saying they're bad, but what I am saying is that self-love is something deeper and it's something that isn't an activity. So oftentimes it involves doing less, even not just the doing, it's even your thoughts. So Mm -hmm. have grace with yourself. Be very gentle. How would you treat someone who 
you know, recently went through a completely life altering, physical, body altering, and maybe you had a cesarean, so you had major surgery, but even if you had a vaginal birth, it's very akin to like recovering from major surgery. So go easy on yourself. This isn't something where you just jump right back into life. I mean, you are literally born into being a mother and to give yourself so much grace, gentleness, compassion, compassion for not always getting it right, compassion for not knowing exactly what to do next, all those things. That's really self-care. That's really self-love. And I think if we could get more mothers to really focus on that, I think we'd be so much better off. We'd see a lot less postpartum depression and anxiety and things like that. Oh my gosh. I was like, I'm sitting here nodding my head going, oh yes. I think I need to listen to a lot of that myself as well. Um, But I, I totally agree. Thank you so, so, so much for joining me today. It has been amazing. Um, There's no doubt in my mind that people are going to jump off here with so much more knowledge in their toolkit about breastfeeding, but also the reassurance that the questions they've got are normal or the issues they might be facing are normal. You have been fantastic. So um, Jacqueline, if listeners want to find out more about you or how to contact you on the internet, how will they find you? Great question, Natasha. They can find me over on Instagram, which is where I love to hang out at Holistic Lactation, um, or they can hop on over to my website, holisticlactation.com. Awesome. So make sure everyone out there checks it out. I know I follow your Instagram and I love everything that you post. So I hope that other people jump on board as well and do the same. So this is going to wrap up today's little interview that we did get carried away and talk about so many things, but that's okay. That's what passionate women do who are trying to help mums in their journey. Thank you everyone for listening in and don't forget to jump on my socials. Welcome to Motherhood Podcast and let me know how you found today's little interview. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Welcome to Motherhood Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to be alerted when each new episode hits the airwaves. I hope you enjoyed it and can walk away with a few key take-home messages to help you make your motherhood journey that little bit easier. See you next time.